You're listening to the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Experience all the excitement of the casino on your desktop or mobile device at PlayAlberta.ca. Sign up and receive a $50 welcome bonus using the promo code CASINO50. Tom, uh, Stephen, welcome back to the show, man. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm excellent. Um, uh, the World Juniors, uh, disappointing for Canada, but hey, disappointing for Slovakia, disappointing for Switzerland. Man, that might have been the greatest quarterfinal round that I can remember. Yeah, that's fair enough. You know, other than, you know, USA kind of just walking over Latvia like everyone expected, you know, yeah. seeing the Slovaks, how good of a team they were this year, and the Swiss just brutal start, and they kind of figured it out near the end. Uh, yeah, I, I I can't disagree there. It was three pretty solid games and one that uh, was over pretty much the moment it started. Yeah. Well, the other three games were all super close. You know, I, I know that the Swiss didn't love the penalties they got uh, late in the game. And then, hey, but they took another one in overtime, which you just can't do eventually, you know, especially on four on when it's three on three. And then you go four on four. It obviously cost them. But you look ahead now. Who do you like in the semis? Uh, you know, you can't go wrong with the the Americans. I think they're kind of my my pick to win this this tournament, uh, they were at the start, uh, just a team that's just downright dangerous to play against, uh, great goaltending that, uh, it's been kind of hit or miss, honestly, of who you're going to be getting, uh, it, it, like in terms, they've been rotating the two goalies and Jacob Fowler hasn't been as good as he probably should have been, but Trey Augustine's been great. So that, that's good enough. Uh, beyond that, I'm going Sweden over Czechia. I just think the, the Swedes have shown a bit of cracks in their armor in the last few games. They haven't really been as dominant as, as maybe they were against Canada. The Czechs are a good team, but I do do not trust the Czech goaltending, and I think I do trust what Sweden's got in there. So if I'm picking final, I'm going Sweden USA. Kind of my one of my pre my, my original prediction before I went bold and decided that Canada and that backfire. <laughs> well, no, that's all right. Um, ha, has there been play now? I'm not a big fan of. I don't like to take six or seven World Junior games and suddenly have a player. You know, just it elevates their game so much because it's such a small sample size. But is there any players, Steve, that maybe have opened your eyes to say, "Wow, like this guy's a little bit better than I thought." I'm not suddenly going to make him go from 15 to to top five or anything like that. But who who, who have you liked as far as you know? draft eligible players from this tournament oh i'm going you know what i think for me michael uh michael uh Branzeg Nigard, who i had him in my top 15 i think he's a lot closer to 10 now there, there weren't a lot of draft prospects that played in this um tournament to begin with uh and the guy that hurt his stock the most was adam yurchak who played two periods he got hurt in the second uh period in the first game against slovakia they came back out and he re-injured his leg and he's out for the whole season so that's a guy who's hurt his own rankings uh but someone who's really helped his own rankings has been egard who i think it was so good for norway he showed that he's a lot more than just a you know a good two-way player he was hitting harder than anybody shooting harder than anybody working harder than anyone so he's the guy that i i definitely um been pretty impressed with uh, in terms of guys who might put themselves on the the map uh you um, Lasella on Finland is a guy that every time he plays for the Finns is one of the top players uh, internationally, but he's been passed over a couple times. He's been so important for the Finns. He scored the goal that helped them go to the uh, semifinal. I don't think he gets passed over this time. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, that's a hey, draft. And to me, I'm a big fan of it. We see it more and more in the draft. There's lots of, uh, quote, overage players. And, uh, to me, just because you have a better, you have a better viewpoint. I, I, I still, I'll say it every year. The NHL would be way better off if they move the draft stage back one full calendar year. You can leave it open for those rare 18 year olds to be top five picks. But the truth of the matter is, um, most don't play in the NHL anyway at 18. So you're not hurting anything. 
You're, all you're doing is you're giving yourself more looks. You're a guy who watches these guys. I'm sure you've been fooled by many players. You're, oh, man, I thought this guy's going to be really good. And that's where they peak. Some peak at 17, right? Like it is, it is far from a perfect process. And, and gaining one more year, all it does would give you better views and it would increase your odds of making better draft picks. And that's especially true for things like goaltenders and in general, just since, you know, the COVID years where a lot of those guys missed so much time. And we're like, we Shane Wright is a good example of a guy that was so highly touted. And I think a lot of people didn't really appreciate how good of a player he was. And then he, he got drafted. He didn't go first overall and he didn't have a great first year after that. And uh, he's a guy that I think really lost out on having a proper draft year or proper um, development experience. But you look at goalies, a lot of these guys aren't, getting a lot of starts in, in major junior. It's not uncommon for a guy that's challenging for a world junior spot on one of these top teams to have only played like half the season because they're splitting time. So um, I, I definitely think that there's a, there's a benefit in that. There's a reason that teams are really starting to put a lot more pressure in or uh, focus on drafting overage guys, but uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's become more valuable and teams can't ignore that route. Yeah, no, uh, no question. Uh, Stephen Ellis joins us. Uh, Stephen, you know, you, you look at, you know, the goaltending one is, is very difficult. Uh, that position is one. You just considering that a lot of times, you know, they, they don't get as many reps as skaters and defensemen, right? They don't play every game. So it's, you know, it would be easy math to tell me why they're going to take a little bit longer to develop. And we still see lots of NHL goalies at 24 and 25 kind of find their stride just because of a game's played, et cetera. But when you watch this tournament, it's not only the draft eligible players, but there's lots of players that are already drafted in that tournament and, you know, around playing in junior. And cause I know you watch a ton of other junior teams of guys who have already been drafted that you're like, you know what? I think this guy's really taken a step since being drafted. Uh, are there any, are there any names out there that you think, you know, fans should be aware of and, you know, next year or the following year that you think is, is somebody who's already drafted that's going to be an impact player who's not currently in the NHL? I'm going with Adam Bayon, and you might remember him as the Slovak goalie from last year, and this year he proved that was not a fluke. I think there was a lot of questions. He was drafted early um, by the Blackhawks in the second round, but it was a guy that really used a week and a half of good hockey with the Slovak junior team and turned that into a high draft pick when no one else even had him on their draft radar beforehand. So he's someone where he's six foot four. He moves very well, very athletic and sees the ice as well as anybody. Like he reads it well. I see a ton of his videos, a bunch of that stuff's online where you can see the way he tracks pucks. And I can't remember a goalie at his age that does it that effectively. So for someone who was playing in Slovakia two years ago, just sending like demo tapes out to random, you know, tier two junior leagues just to get looked at to maybe a starting goalie in the NHL for the Blackhawks and Connor Bedard in a couple of years from now. That's a guy everyone's got to be looking at right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, around the NHL, because not only are you watching prospects, obviously you're watching lots of guys uh, in the league and you know, where are you at on Connor Bedard? Um, Cause I'm one sometimes like people throw out generational talent all the time and I'm a little skeptical, not skeptical of it, but I think it, it's almost gets overused now. It's, oh, Celebrini's one. I'm like, whoa, you can't have every year a generational player. Otherwise they're not generational players, right? Like now Crosby and Ovechkin both came up at the same time. So yes, it can happen. Gretzky and Lemieux, uh, they're about five yard, years apart. They did it. But, you know, it's pretty rare. Where, where do you, like, are you locked in that you think Bedard is going to be a guy who we talk about as, a, you know, 120, 130 point type of player? No question about it. He's on pace for, what, 75 points this year on a team where he's playing with, like, 
Nick Foligno and Philip Kurashev. Like, imagine what would happen if he was playing with Patrick Kane a couple of years ago. Imagine what he could be doing. We have Celebrini or Iserman next year if one of those guys end up going to Chicago. Like, he's going to have a lot of good pieces around him. He's going to be surrounded by them. So for him to put up potentially, you know, 30 goals, 75 points in a rookie on a terrible team, like he's like minus 20. And plus minus is not a great stat, but that's a very, very, very not great number. Yeah. And it's because he's playing in all situations for this team because there's no one else there. And he's the only reason that I, in a lot of cases, this group's winning games. It's like, it's actually kind of hard to watch this team because when Bedard's not on the ice, they're, they're difficult to watch. They're not a good team. And for him to do all that right now and still put up one of the best rookie seasons we've seen since the Crosby, since the, the Ovechkin days, like that's impressive. So I'm a hundred percent on Bedard's going to be one of the best players in the world. He's the closest player we're going to get to mirroring Connor McDavid. Interesting. Yeah. Like I, I see him as a different player. Like he's a better shooter for sure. Um, oh, yeah. You know, to be as dynamic. Physical player, too. Yeah. Physical guy, too. He throws a lot of hits. To be as dynamic as McDavid is going to be tough because we've just never seen anybody skate that fast with the puck yeah. in NHL history. Yeah. The, the, McDavid's a unique figure that we will not see a guy like that. But if anyone's going to come close in pure skill, pure talent, I, I'm i going Bedard. I'm going, like, like Bedard's the best guy coming close to McDavid. I don't think he's going to be better than McDavid. I, I do think that McDavid's everything we saw at the same age was still just on, on other world, but Bedard's been pretty damn close. And we're also seeing a lot of guys who are just this skill level of players at this time of age. You look at the videos of all the skills they're doing, all the moves they're doing. It's a lot more impressive uh, from a prospect standpoint in 2023, 2024 than it was even in 2015. So the average prospect's going to be more skilled, but Bedard is just, you know, Again, he's at the top of class right now. Yeah, uh, no question about it. Uh, Stephen Ellis joins us. Steve, when you, it's, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but when you look at Canada and the selection of their world junior team, was there a few offensive guys that maybe were you surprised they didn't bring? Uh, it's always a good question after the fact, but I, I wonder if, if there were some offensive guys at Canada, because I know I've seen some names out there. Do you think, is that a fair assessment or is that just nitpicking after the fact? I, there was a lot of questions heading in, and when I saw the roster, there weren't a lot of guys because uh, I was at that training camp. There weren't a lot of guys that I thought, you know, probably should have been on the team that weren't. Um, I know a lot of people are saying Jagger Furcus, you know, just a pure talented guy can put up 40 goals. No problem about it. Um, but he had a terrible training camp. And uh, when I remember sitting with some scouts, when they announced that he didn't make the team and they're like, yep, no, that makes sense. Despite being one of the best players in the WHL, the guy that was at camp that I'm surprised didn't make it was Denver Barkey. And he was a guy that hockey Canada pointed out as someone they loved how hard he worked. You know, he played one of the best games we had seen of anybody in camp hours after finding out his grandpa had passed away. So it was like, that's not an easy thing. He still went out there and played a great game. He was cut. And then the guy who kind of took his role was Easton Cowan, who was probably the least effective player on that roster. The one that didn't get invited to camp at all that was surprising was Riley Height, who at the time was the top scorer in the CHL. I don't know why you wouldn't want a guy like that. And I think when you look at the team, you know, defense wasn't necessarily a problem. Goaltending wasn't a problem. It was, if you watched any of those games, you saw that team could not shoot. They would pass to each other and just not shoot or pass and they'd die dead. You've got a guy like Carson Rakoff, who's a 40 goal scorer, sorry, 60 goal scorer on pace for this year. And he had, he had like six or seven shots the entire tournament. Yeah, he didn't play a lot, but he wasn't shooting when he was on those opportunities. So uh, just a team that, a lot of what's ifs, but at the same time, if you look at everybody, if Canada could have put all the guys that were in the NHL that were eligible for this tournament on this team, 
no one's touching Canada. That's just the reality. Yeah. Of it. Um, but that's not how that works. So uh, it sucks. It stings. But Canada's going to be good next year. Yeah. Oh, no. Canada. I always chuckle when people want to say, oh, there's a problem with Canadian hockey. And I'm like, why? So, like, arguably eight of their best uh, world junior players weren't in the tournament. Right. So I, and I'm not saying that Canada can ever improve on things for sure. They can. But I, I think it's a little misleading to look at the world juniors like it represents a, an actual analysis of where the program is at. It's it's up to seven games. In Canada's case, it was five whole games of an entire year. Canada came got bronze of the uh at the U18s, they just won the World Junior A Challenge. They just won the Under-17 World Challenge. Like They're winning at all these levels. They're doing well at all these events. Sometimes it just doesn't work out where all your best players are playing in the NHL. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Steve, quickly uh, for you, are you um, where are you at on the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs? Um, good team. Hey, they went and they shut out L.A. last night. And they, they've really, like I think it's like 21, 25, 27 shots as of late. Like If I look at their blue line, one to six, I'm like, mm, I don't think it's that good. But their team defense is maybe under the radar improved. Yeah, like the one guy that's playing really well right now is Simon Benoit, a guy they signed for league minimum. Now, he's a guy that you could replace every year. It's not a big loss if he's gone. But he's contributing well above his salary right now. And I thought William Langison looked pretty good. So I think they're they're doing a lot better than that. Um, one of the things that's killing them, like, yeah, yeah, it's hard to go out there and score five or six goals and lose, right? Mm-hmm. And the goaltending has been a huge topic. Um, it's There's a reason why. They, it doesn't matter who's in it. It's, it seems to fall apart. But then, you know, Martin Jones is having this career revival, kind of like he did in a brief little time in L.A. and uh, for a beer, parts of last year in Seattle. It's you know, it, it, you're flying with what works, but you got to have your best guys being like your best guys. And if you're you're scoring five goals and you're losing because your goalies are allowing every single shot that seems to go near them, especially against Columbus for whatever reason, uh, you can't do much about that. So I think they're a better team than recent re- results would show, but, you know, I think they need everyone healthy and then they can really show what they could do. I think Joseph Wool is, is the real number one for this team. And I think he's capable. I'm not saying he's a long-term number one, but if he's healthy, he's ready to go. And, and the Leafs are at full strength. Like we saw what they were able to do at points this year where they can get pretty hot. Steve, great stuff, man. I really appreciate your time. Have an awesome day. Yes, you too.